if you've ever looked at an examination of conscience preparing to go to confession, usually those, a lot of those examinations of consciences are organized by the seven deadly sins, right? We've all heard that phrase before, these seven sins that they kind of come together. It's like these are common things that most of us struggle with in some way, shape, or form. Anger, greed, lust, jealousy, whatever it is. Um, and so, but the seven deadly sins is kind of like the thing. We boiled it down to these seven, these seven main sins that we tend to struggle with. When I went to seminary on the North Shore, um, it was at a monastery with this big church that the monks would always pray in. And on the back wall of the church, they had depictions of the seven deadly sins. Um, but if you counted, there were actually eight, sex, eight little figures that each one represented one of the sins. And the monks would say that they had an eighth, St. Benedict would write that there was an eighth deadly sin, so to speak, and that's the sin of grumbling, the sin of gossiping. Um, and I think of that as I hear the first reading today and the gospel where there's this grumbling, this questioning, right? Um, I believe every single one of us, in some time, probably even today, myself included, we fall into that sin, grumbling, gossiping, complaining. We have this, we, we want to talk about it like in our culture. You, you hear what so-and-so did about so-and-so, who did whatever, and that's just kind of like what normal conversation tends to look like, right? We have this stuff, whether it's, whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, whether it's something, and that propels me to go and talk about X, Y, or Z, right? We know it's wrong. We all like, there's something that just keeps pulling us to do it. I think about that because I think that both the first reading and the gospel today, Jesus is showing us what to do with that stuff that comes up, right? We're led into the, that kind of grumbling conversation when there's something that comes up in my heart, whatever the emotion or the feeling is, and I, I do something with it, right? When I do, do something with it poorly, that usually leads to, me kind of either fermenting and kind of sitting in it, or I'm going to talk about somebody, or I'm going to complain about it. There's a bad way to deal with that. And then there's a good way to deal with that. Notice what the Israelites do in the first reading. They have this anger, right? They, God had just led them out of Egypt. They're in the desert right now, and they're hungry. Very normal desire. What they do is that they, 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 there's grumbling happening, and then they vocalize that desire to God. God, what the heck is going on? Are you leading us into this desert to die? Like, why didn't you just leave us back there? We had everything we needed back there. And notice, like, they're, they're, tell, they're talking to God, and they're, it's not like they're, not, they're being pretty harsh, but they're expressing what's on their heart to the Lord. And what does God do in response to that? Does he get angry? Does he get upset? Doesn't question them? He gives them food. He meets the need that they express to them more than they could ever hope to imagine. He didn't just give them a little bit of food. He fed them an abundance of food every single day, quail and bread. He fed them. We, they expressed their need to him, and God answered that. And that's not a very a surface-level thing. We're hungry. God gives us food. Um, and, 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 and they were hungry. God gave them food. It's a very surface-level thing. I think we take that and notice what Jesus does with that in the gospel. He kind of says the same thing for them. The people are following Jesus, and Jesus says, you're not following me because you saw a great sign and you're seeing God working. You're following me because you had all this bread, and you just want more bread. If you remember last week, the gospel was the multiplication of the loaves. Jesus said to work this great miracle for them. 
And Jesus says, you're not following because you, there's something that you're seeking. You just want more food, right? We had all this bread yesterday, and you want more, so we're going to follow this guy. He's probably going to give us more food. What Jesus is doing in this little dialogue that they're having is he's leading them from like a very surface level desire to something a little bit deeper. He says, don't, don't work for this food that's going to perish. Like, I have something so much better than bread that I want to give to you. Not just a normal bread. I want to give you food that's going to last you and lead you to eternal life. Like, there's such a deep, there's so much more that I have to give to you. And if you would just ask me for it, I would give it to you. Jesus is leading them not to just search for some surface level thing, but to move deeper into the desires of their heart. Like there's something more there that God wants to meet. And Jesus, I think, hits something in that. Because Jesus is talking about this bread, this eternal life, this gift that God wants to give to them. And they say, like, sir, give us this bread always. There's a desire that he's touched. And the people are longing for that. Sir, give us, we want that. Give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I'm that bread. I'm the bread of life. Anyone who believes and comes to me will never hunger and will never thirst. Like, it, it, see, Jesus is speaking with strong words there. He didn't say, if you come to me, like, sometimes you'll be good. Every now and then, you will never hunger and you will never thirst if you believe in me and if you come to me. Jesus is inviting them, like, I, I want to give you everything that your heart is longing for. You just have to ask. You just have to vocalize it. Even if it starts very surface level, and I'm willing to lead you down to what you actually want. He's willing to walk down that road just like he did with the people in the gospel. He wants to do that with each one of us. And I want to give you what it is you're truly longing for and what you always are going to desire. Jesus wants to give that to every single one of us. That's why he gives us himself as this bread. And he said, I always and everywhere want to be with you to meet that desire. That's why always and everywhere he's present with us we come to Mass, we receive the gift of Jesus Christ, the real bread of life. And always and everywhere, he's going to be there. The Eucharist is not this, um, this magic thing. I receive it and all my problems are going to go away, clearly. Like, there's, there's, we can rattle off the things that are wrong with the world right now. We can all rattle off the things that are wrong with our own lives and with our own hearts. We can all very easily point that out. So I receive the Eucharist, it's all going to go away? No. But I think if we're really honest with ourselves, like we, we bring to God, okay, God, I had this problem. I want you to take that away. I want you to, to solve this thing, fix this issue that I have. I don't think that's what we actually want. That's like our first gut reaction, like I have a problem, take it away. I don't think that's what we actually want. Because as soon as whatever that thing is gets rectified, there's going to be another one. And then there's going to be another one. And there's going to be another one. We play this game, like, I, God, there's, there's always like a whack-a-mole. Like, I got this one. Okay, then another one pops up. The next one pops up. Right? It's not actually about the problems that we're fixing. Jesus didn't come to fix all the problems. What he came to do is something a whole lot more fundamental. What he came to do, what our hearts are actually longing for, 
is to be loved in the midst of that. To have someone to always be there, no matter what the thing is, whether it gets fixed or not. There's someone who's there with me in that. There's a love there that our heart is longing for. And the presence of the Eucharist, the constant presence, like Jesus is always going to be there, no matter how we come into this church, Jesus is going to receive us the very same way because his presence is always going to be there. The people always want that bread, and Jesus says, I will always be with you. That's never going to change. That's why we come to Mass, to receive a love. That's it. I come to Mass to receive a divine love that God desires to pour into my heart, specifically wherever I am, not to fix the problems, but to say, hey, I'm with you in that, and we're going to continue through this together. And you will never hunger, and you will never thirst, not on a physical, shallow level, but really in the depths of your heart, you will be loved. And in that place, you will never hunger, never thirst, because my love will always be there. That's the desire that God wants to tap into. That's why he's always here in the Eucharist that we come to receive. Like, I want to be with you so badly that I'm going to unite myself to your body. I'm going to walk with you and be with you out of this church and never let that presence come to an end. We come up, we receive Jesus today. I invite you to feel that desire in people. Like, I want this bread always. And as Jesus gives himself to you, he says, I am that bread, and I will be with you always. May our hearts receive that love anew tonight. Amen.